I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 89 of the Weave Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Kayla Powers of Salt Textile Studios. Kayla crafts one-of-a-kind hand-woven textiles for home and lifestyle with the belief that goods can be both beautiful and ethical. Her textiles are woven with local fiber, dyed with natural materials, and are made to last. Kayla works on the east side of Detroit, Michigan, and draws inspiration from the people and the history of the city. In our conversation, we talk about what it's like to use an urban landscape to forge for dyes and how she is navigating the changing landscape of the city as an artist. Hello, Kayla. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, LaShawn. Thanks for having me. Can you start out by giving us a bit about your background and how you found your way into the world of weaving and textiles? Sure. So um, I am a weaver and natural dyer, and I live in Detroit, Michigan. And I got into textiles. um, Well, in college, I studied at Western Michigan University, and I studied art history. And that was sort of where I got introduced to textiles. Um, But it wasn't until after I graduated that I started taking a weaving class at the Kalamazoo Institute of Art. And so I kind of had my first experience with the loom there um, and it just really clicked for me. So um, I started learning to weave and at the same time I was working on an organic farm in Kalamazoo. And so I was working with plants and I was weaving and it, um, you know, sort of all came together for me there. I, I started to explore natural dyeing um, and just really found that it was like a very natural pursuit for me. You know, I think some people, take a weaving class or, you know, see a floor loom and feel very intimidated. But for me, something felt very natural. Um, So I took a class at the KIA and and really enjoyed it. And then I moved out to Portland, Oregon and got a job. Well, actually, first an internship um, with Wildcraft Studio School. And I was doing a six month long textile internship. So during that time, I did uh, a really deep dive into local natural dyeing. And so um, we were gathering plants from the Columbia River Gorge and and weaving these great big tapestries um, with all the local and endemic dye plants out there. So I really sort of honed the natural dyeing skill out there and uh, moved back to Detroit a couple of years ago um, and have been at it ever since. Wow, that's so amazing. Quite a few people have mentioned um, that they kind of got into natural dyeing through organic farming. So that's super Mm. cool that you kind of found yourself in that space and and really were able to find something that could relate to your craft and practice. What inspired you to start Salt Textile Studio? Um, So when I did move back to Detroit, um, I had, you know, I'd been weaving sort of uh, like on the side and um, yeah, something about coming back here and sort of like starting fresh in the way that you do when you move to a new place. I felt like I wanted to see if I could take my work to not the next level, but like a different level, which would mean selling it. Um, 
So I started this small business, Salt Textile Studios, with the intention of making work to sell. And um, I was using all, you know, local natural dye plants and, and natural fibers. Um, and yeah, I just felt really inspired by the city. I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs here and small business owners and people that really work hard um, at their craft. And so I think for me, like starting this business was sort of like uh, committing to myself that I'm going to continue making and, you know, try really hard to make a go of it. Um, yeah, and sort of like the name, I think, is important, too. I, I called it Salt because it felt to me like a very familiar and, you know, recognizable word. Um, and that's really what I'm striving to do with my textiles is make things that are familiar and like foundational to, you know, a home and to a life and you know, I, I make things that you can wear on your body, things that you, um, you know, blankets that you can use um, outdoors, indoors. I just want things that feel, um, you know, very familiar. And, and so that's where the name came from. Mm. And can you speak to your creative process and your design and weaving aesthetic? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so like I said, when I moved back here, I, I was really excited about making a go of it as a business. And um, and then really, like, as I was spent more time living here and, and really, like, going on long walks around the city, um, I started to feel, like, and see really all of these open spaces um, with all of these wildflowers and different plants. And so, um, so I started to really, like, hone in even more on, like, the local palette. And so now it's really like the in, like the plants that are available in season that I use um, to dye with. I do dry things and save some flowers and seeds and stuff, but for the most part, I like to use what's fresh and in season. And so really, it's like the the season that dictates um, the colors that I'm using, and um, always natural materials. And so those are sort of like the limitations I've put on my design. Um, and then I always keep things pretty minimal. I do a lot of plain weave. And so like, it's really just meant to, to shed, like to show off the color. So it's local color, and it's done in a very simple way. I consider myself a place-based artist. And so um, like a huge part of my inspiration is the city itself and uh, the, the natural world within this urban environment. And so that's really what I'm trying to highlight in my work is like the abundance of natural color that's available in a city and not just any city but a city that's not typically seen as being like a a beautiful natural landscape um but you know I, i'm sort of trying to show that there and tell the stories through these plants that there is so much life here there's such abundance um it's just a matter of you know paying attention and and taking the time to look at it it is interesting that you're kind of talking about the contrast between like a city environment versus um, more agricultural rural areas where people tend to find things that they naturally die with. Can you talk about some of the plants and materials that you've come across in your immediate surroundings? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, Detroit is so interesting in that it's, um, you know, definitely a very urban city, but there are huge areas of land where, you know, blighted homes have been removed. Um, and, and the, 
and nature has just taken over again. So, um, you know, some of the things that are available right now uh, are spruce cones. So I was just out yesterday. There are these two giant spruce trees that grow in a lot that used to be someone's yard, but is now just, um, you know, a grassy space with a couple trees in it. Um, and so I gathered these spruce cones from there. Black walnuts were available up until just a couple weeks ago. We got our first snow, so <laughs> a lot of it's mm. been put to rest. But, um, I mean, one of my favorites to use is goldenrod because it just grows so abundantly here and you can get some really gorgeous colors from it. Yeah, tons. There's uh, There was a willow tree just a few blocks from my house, again, in a vacant lot. Um, that the city, I, I'm not sure why, but the city cut it down and mulched it. Um, so I gathered up the mulch from it like a little squirrel and uh, <laughs> have been using that to dye with. And that's been really beautiful. Wow, that's super interesting. Are you originally from Detroit? I am not originally from Detroit. I grew up in the suburbs of the city. I feel like we could spend the whole podcast talking about Detroit. It's such a fascinating place. You know, there are these artists and and these other people who have been here that just either grew up here have lived here forever and just stuck it out through the hardest times um and for me those people are really like holding the torch you know for the artistic community in the city they're the ones that really held it together um when so many other people were leaving and even now as people are you know coming back to the city as i did to sort of like celebrate in this new moment that that Detroit is in I feel like there's this like whole other generation of of artists who um you know just kind of like paved the way and uh textiles specifically there's some really amazing like long traditions of textiles here that it's just been so neat to learn from yeah I mean it's it's really interesting because I'm kind of thinking about the history of Detroit in it, in that it was once like a manufacturing city. I mean, it was the Motor City, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like the city that created a lot of jobs. And then, as we know, you know, over the bankrupt and there was a lot of blight in the area. And now there's this, this sort of like resurgence and interest in building. Can you kind of talk about like that, that dynamic and maybe what the climate is like for artists, but also just artists working in the community? You know, as you said, you're very inspired by the community. Like, what are the ways in which that that history and the rebuilding that is happening now has kind of influenced and informed your practice. Mm. Yeah, so right, like you said, Detroit um, went through bankruptcy recently. And you know, the longer history of the city is just uh, has been very tumultuous. Um, and as I shared, there are these people who have been here throughout, throughout all of that. Um, and so I think there's like a a lot of respect um, and, you know, admiration for those people um, who, yeah, have just really put in the work and put in the time uh, and are really like uh, guiding the, the conversation, I think, about uh, the contemporary art um, and craft in the city. And so as a newer resident to the city, I think my 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 mo is just to tread lightly you know i am looking mm. to like uh 
yeah, be respect to show the respect that I have for the city and for the people and, and the reverence, you know, for, um, for the, there's just so much resilience here. And I, I, um, like a lot of the newer entrepreneurs and makers in the city, I think we all just, you know, we want to, to ha have our voices be heard, but also to, to just respect the, the people who have been here before us and, and who are really doing the, the good work. And so, yeah, like you said, there was bankruptcy and now there's this whole like re, <laughs> even like in the language I get caught up because I don't want to say it wrong. There's like a re, not a rebirth, but yeah, a resurgence. I think you said a resurgence and that's a good way of putting it. Um, there's like all this excitement around uh, the city, but there's also, and so there's like, there are a lot of different grant programs here. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of funding for the arts and there there's a lot of space for art, like physically and uh, metaphorically, there's just a lot of space right now for um, artists, especially those that are choosing to do like community work. Anyone that's looking to like engage the community and do like socially conscious work, um, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, you're welcome here <laughs> kind of scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting. And, and it's, I mean, I think it's great that there is sort of this resurgence. You know, I, I completely understand, you know, as an artist, it is important that we are respectful of the places that we go. You know, one of the things that I learned when I was in art school was, um, as an artist, you are available in response. And I think that mm. when it comes to a lot of these places um, and rebuilding artists play a really key role because we tend to be the people who are kind of in a position to be very mobile. And also, you know, as you stated, you're an entrepreneur. Most artists, you know, whether they have an actual business are living off of their work. Um, so, uh you know, I definitely understand, you know, where you're coming from. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I, I just, I think that artists, you know, are the ones that are spending the time to be, you know, we're deep thinkers and feelers and are doing this work to like translate what's happening in the world into something, you know, palatable <laughs> into some form of art, which can then be, you know, help communicate the, the state of the world or the state of the city or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And can you kind of talk about how you've been able to leverage being an entrepreneur and being uh, a textile artist? Like, what has that looked like over the past few years, um, you know, environmentally, socially, financially? How have you been able to sustain your practice and your business? Mm. Yeah, so I'm actually in kind of an interesting moment right now with my business, Um and the business of making because uh, I've sort of discovered that this this process of like weaving hand woven naturally dyed goods and then selling them um, is not a great way to make <laughs> to make a living financially. It's just really it's really hard to make money doing that, at least in the way that I am because I am making craft. You know, I'm not typically I don't I don't make art pieces. Um, so yeah, that's that's been interesting. Um, even though the response has been really good, it's just that I, I don't think it's like physically <laughs> sustainable. Um, 
And so I've kind of shifted and, and recently I wrote a grant and was uh, awarded one of the Night Art Challenge grants, which is a, um, they, so they give uh, grants to different artists and arts organizations to make work that will be public art. And so I am gonna be over the next year weaving, um, doing a study of local natural dye plants and then weaving a series of tapestries using uh, those local dyes and they'll hang from this public greenway called the Dequinder Cut. And so, you know, this feels like a, maybe a different path that I could take, which is like doing projects that I can find funding for, um, you know, that will also like speak to sustainable practices, sustainability in textiles, um, you know, protecting our natural environment here, um, you know, learning our native plants and uh, being sort of a steward of the land in, in a city. So this is kind of a new path I'm on right now. And it feels maybe like a slightly more sustainable um, because yeah, as I shared, it's just, it's really hard to make a go of it uh, as, as a maker of something that's like so precious. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I completely understand. It, it is really difficult to sort of make a business out of handmade goods because of the pricing and the labor and everything, especially when mm -hmm. you think about the sort of consumer society that we exist in where we're kind of used to mass production and used to having prices much lower when you actually do the numbers and, and think about how is it possible to make a living off of something that is, you know, socially and environmentally aligned or socially and environmentally conscious mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. also make it financially possible and economically possible for people to purchase. So yes. I completely understand how difficult that can be. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is, too, like in the marketing of this, of our goods, um, I got sort of an icky feeling of trying to like trying to sell things to people where I let. Yeah. Like you're saying about consumerism is like I never want to like feed into that that like desire to buy things and to have things. And even though I believe the work that I'm making is like very valuable beyond just like having a cute blanket, you know, there's something like that's like tangible and tactile about woven goods that I think is like nourishing to your soul and your spirit. But, but still I just, the, the whole process of like selling someone a good because it's Christmas time, you know, it just, it didn't feel mm. great to me. So yeah, marketing is such a huge part of business, um, especially in today's world, because everything's so competitive. It does get a little difficult, especially as like environmental artists or sustainable artists to kind of communicate that you're selling something that is more than, than an idea of something, right? Like more than buying into, you know, a lifestyle. It, it's actually a purchase in the direction towards a better society, really. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I completely understand. Are mm. you working on any new projects? Or do you have any future prospects that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, well, that the project that I that I just mentioned that year long um, study is something I'm really excited about. Um, 
So this will be, you know, I'll, I'll end up weaving a series of either 10 or 12 um, tapestries that'll be about three feet by six feet each. Um, and the whole time I'll be working with two apprentices from the College for Creative Studies here in Detroit um, from their textile department. And so we'll be working together over the course of the year and documenting these local natural dye plants and then weaving all of these tapestries. And then I have another friend who's going to help uh, these and then I have another friend who's going to help uh, build these so that they can hang outside. And um, yeah, I'm just so excited to see how it goes, you know, to see these these textiles hanging up alongside some really beautiful murals and on this public greenway, which, um, you know, as we were talking about Detroit, this is something that I feel very strongly about is like creating these outdoor public spaces where everyone is welcome it's accessible to everyone it's free it's family friendly you know it's a healthy space because people are biking walking jogging um you know you can be outdoors um and so i really wanted to celebrate that and so my series of tapestries sort of feels like a you know prayer flags of sorts it's just sort of like a like a really gentle reminder that like we are surrounded by nature here and and even though there are cars zooming by us and skyscrapers <laughs> you know we're, it's still a very like sweet and gentle place you know there's so much public art in the city and it's really amazing like you can just see murals all over the place in such varying styles um, but i just don't see much much textile work in the public realm so this this was really exciting to me to get to do this project. Awesome. It sounds super interesting. I can't wait to see how everything turns out. Where can people go on social media and the internet to follow your work and to keep up with your progression? Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. My handle is salt.textile.studios. Salt Textile Studios. And then same, that's my website. It's salttextilestudios.com. Um, yeah, and I document things there. I have a blog where I share, you know, longer form things. Um, yeah, that's a great place. I love to hear from people. I've been sort of uh, getting deeper into uh, teaching workshops. So like day long or weekend long workshops. And that's just such a fun way to like meet these, you know, meet people who are interested in this work and who are like developing their own craft um, or who are just looking for, you know, like a, an enriching experience. Um, so I've been teaching like natural dyeing um, and then uh, some weaving classes as well. So, so those are all shared on my website and you can find those um, on there. Awesome. So before you go, we have one question that we ask everyone that joins a podcast, and that is, do mm. you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Mm. Um, yeah, I guess just like keep on weaving um, because I, I found that in my work, it's taken so long to really like find my voice and to find my aesthetic um, and I, I only found that through like making and making and making, you know, just like continue weaving, continue thinking about your work. And I think your your voice and your own aesthetic will emerge. You know, it can be really hard nowadays because we all see so much content on Instagram and beyond. Um, 
that it can be hard to sort of like find your own style within that. So I think the more that you create art, you know, the more you're going to hone your own voice and your own aesthetic. Amazing. Thank you so much. Mm, Thanks, LaShawn. It was really nice to talk to you. Nice talking to you as well. That's a wrap. If you're interested in seeing more of Kayla's work, you can find links to her website in our show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode dash 89. Next week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Nico Rabinowitz of Fiberhouse Collective, a collective that partners with farmers, artists, designers, fiber folks, and scientists who explore from farm to fabric and then back to farm. They have a number of interesting research projects such as dyeing fibers with mushrooms and extracting pigment from plants and food waste. So stay tuned next week for that episode. And until next time, happy weaving.